everybody, it's Play to Innovate, the innovation show that goes beyond the hype. Now here's your host, my dad, Brett Schwab. Welcome back to another episode of Play to Innovate. Today, I'm going to talk to you about failure is good and other lessons to keep you creative. Now, I'm sure that this is true for you as well, but when I was growing up, mistakes were bad. They meant bad grades, or they meant I was in trouble of some sort. Oftentimes, I was in trouble for the bad grades. It also could have meant that I broke whatever of my parents I was just disassembling. I was a very curious child. Now, I don't want to scare you, but if you are going to be more creative, if you want to be more innovative, that's going to mean a lot of failure. Now, certainly it can mean criticism. It can also mean hours of work that led to nothing, but mostly it's just a lot of failure. Now, I know you've heard this before, but mistakes are learning. Failure is learning. And those are not really platitudes either, and it's not sugarcoating. But the reality is also that it is what you choose it to be. So you can make a mistake or you can fail at something and choose to leave it behind and ignore it. Pretend it didn't happen. Or you can make a mistake or fail at something and then learn from it. Look back at it and see what you can extract from that experience. But at least in that case, you are getting something out of the effort and the trouble you went to for going through the mistake or the failure. I often say, though, if you're doing it right, you're going to fail at least 50 times before landing on a good solution, which means that you are truly gaining a lot of experience as you work. Oftentimes, those failures are just in your head or in a meeting, essentially behind closed doors which means that nobody will know about them until you actually tell them or present them and find out that you went in the wrong direction. Again, a failure. Now, in my career, I have worked with creatives of all types, engineers, writers, designers, the list goes on. And although they are creating different things, the process and the worry is typically the same. The only thing I think that makes failure and mistakes scary, though, is the fear that you might not find a solution. And that's the worry I'm talking about. That worry of, I'm going through all of this work and I still haven't found a solution yet. The irony is, though, if you are not open to making a lot of mistakes or going through a lot of failure you're not going to find great solutions. You're not going to find innovation and you're not going to find creativity. So why do I say failure is good? Well, you can certainly learn a little bit from success. You'll learn the right way to go. You'll learn the correct thing to do. But in the end, when you succeed at something, you often stay stuck in that vein. So you will often just do the thing that you did to succeed. But you can often learn a lot more from failure. And I'm not just talking about what not to do or different directions to follow. You actually might gain insights for other projects. You might even stumble across a discovery. In fact, that's where sticky notes or post-it notes came from. The story goes that 
the chemists that had discovered the adhesive used in sticky notes were actually working on a super strong adhesive. But what happened was they developed an adhesive that was so strong that the tiny little, the microscopic little blobs of adhesive actually just balled up and uh, became essentially uh, the the lightweight adhesive that we all know and love as part of our post-it notes. What they discovered, though, in the lab is that they could kind of paint the stuff on little scraps of paper and make really nice bookmarks or little notes that they could stick on things. And they would stay as long as they wanted until somebody peeled it off. Well, somebody else in the company discovered this whole thing was going on and thought that was a great invention. So the rest is history, as they say. And now we have post-it notes. And now we even have virtual post-it notes, so our computers don't have to be covered on the outside with them. They're just covered on the inside. All right. Now, if you're paying attention, failure is also a great teacher because those lessons go beyond just what not to do or stumbling across discoveries. There are certain lessons that I have learned over the years through all of the failure I've gone through. And in fact, there are six big lessons that failure has taught me. The first one is that you have to be willing to persevere. One of the biggest life lessons that my wife and I continue to teach our children is to not give up. Now, we also try and teach them that there is a time to call it quits, although we ourselves are never really quite sure when that is, and so it's a very difficult lesson for us to teach. In fact, when I was in business with some friends, I actually stayed in business with them for five years too long. I should have quit, and I think maybe even quit after two years, but I stayed in business with them for much, much longer than I should have. I should have seen the writing on the wall about five years earlier and just called it quits, but I didn't. I persevered. And this is kind of the story of my life, so a double-edged sword. But a really good lesson about perseverance incorporates some lessons that I learned from one of my favorite authors is John Maxwell, who talks about it's okay to slow down, but not to stop. So many years ago at this point, it's about 10 years ago at this point, our son is 15 now, but back when he was about five or six, we took him to learn how to swim. He saw the swimming pool, he saw everybody swimming in it, and thought, this is great, I'm just going to dive on in and swim around. What he soon discovered is that he didn't know how to swim. Now, the issue with this is that up until that point, everything kind of came easy to him. So, uh, you know, he was always getting praised for his creativity. He even learned to walk early, he talked a little bit early. So life was kind of a smooth ride for him. This was really his first big roadblock. And so when he learned that he couldn't swim, not only was he kind of shocked and disappointed, but he was actually left thinking that there might be something wrong with him. Now, it took him about a year to learn how to swim. It took multiple classes, multiple teachers, and it took actually a lot of breaks in between those classes and teachers. He never really wanted to go to swim lessons after the first time, but right around the year mark, something kind of switched on, I guess, and he just learned how to swim, and he was really good at it. But the point to this is that we didn't give up. We didn't quit. We slowed down a little bit, 
we paused a little bit. But the fact is, is that quitting is a mindset. And we never really had that mindset. We knew that one day he would figure it out. He would get it. And yes, he did. So that that was it. But when it comes to anything you're doing, unless it's a very simple project, and I am literally talking about, hey, replace these bullets with uh, checkboxes in this list, kind of simple, Uh, extremely basic things. You're going to have to be willing to put in the time and effort to find creative and innovative solutions. You're going to have to be willing to persevere and know that there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with what you're doing. You are learning your way towards a solution. Now, along with perseverance, it also brings up the lesson of don't compare yourself. Uh, Instead, learn from other people. So while you're persevering and you're watching all these other people succeed around you, it's time to, instead of comparing yourself to them, start taking some lessons from what they are doing. Now, you may not, in fact, you probably won't be able to directly apply whatever solution they have found, but you can take some lessons from it. You can learn the concepts and try and apply those concepts in your own way to your project. One thing you have to keep in mind is that there is always going to be somebody who is better at something than you, and there will always be people who are not quite so good at something. For everything that you do, every design, every project, everything, in fact, can be criticized. Everything has failings. There's nothing that is out, nothing out there is perfect. I know we all kind of intellectually know this, but it, when it comes to the emotional part of things, when it comes to that frustration, the, the challenge is to remember that nothing is perfect while you're going through those emotional times. One thing that might help prevent the criticism that comes with those emotions is to understand that you are doing the best you can with what you have, with what you know, where you are. If you look at other people and say, hey, you know, they're succeeding or they're failing, they you have to understand that they also are doing the best that they can with what they have, with what they know, where they are. So criticizing yourself, criticizing others isn't really going to help anything, first of all. But it also might help to understand that uh, as Harrison's postulate, one of my favorite quotes says... For every action, there is an equal and opposite criticism. And the funny thing about that is that people have come up to me after I've said that and said, no, 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 it's every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So even your funny quotes about criticism can be criticized. But also keep in mind that it takes a healthy self-image to look at somebody who's doing better than you and admire that work and try and take lessons from it. It also takes a pretty solid dose of humility to look at some but look at some work that you feel is better than what you can do and try and learn from it learning from somebody else also takes a really solid dose of empathy so that you can put yourself in their position to try and understand their mindset and see what they did and again Understand the concepts that you can take from what they've done and apply it to the work you're doing. After that, you can start asking yourself what you would have done differently if you were in that situation. 
But again, asking yourself what you would have done differently before applying a healthy dose of empathy is really just going back to that criticism, and it's not necessarily going to get you very far. Now, while you're using your healthy dose of humility to not compare yourself to others, but instead learn from them, you can also use that humility to understand that you are not above designing banner ads. I am mostly, of course, speaking to designers there, but the lesson that I learned is that you are not above a job that is going to be a lesson especially if it's going to help you get someplace in life. And I'm not talking about my first job, for example, where I was pushing carts at a grocery store, where uh, I quit that job because it actually I had to join the union and it would have left me with $10 in my paycheck at the end of every two weeks. Instead, I'm talking more about uh, my experience in college, where I was really lucky, really fortunate enough to get to work alongside engineers, so electrical engineers, mechanical engineers, an industrial designer, as they were working on some real-world projects. I learned a lot about business and uh, business ethics through that whole thing. But one summer, I came back to find out that they only had a job for me on the production line. So instead of designing machines, I was now assembling the machines that I had designed the summer before. This was a huge blow to my ego, but it was also a lot of big lessons for me. The first lesson was that there is a lot of politics on some production lines. And in fact, in this case, there were uh, imaginary managers, imaginary assistant managers, but everybody on the production line went along with this scheme. And as long as you did, the people who had this power that they've built up over the years would kind of bless you and you would continue on either having a job or getting your pay raises or whatever it was. Uh, But they would also not make life difficult for you, which they did in my case because I thought the whole thing was stupid. So I never went along with it. It was the arrogance of youth and not really understanding that In a lot of ways, they needed those titles. They needed that power and that hierarchy. The other lesson I learned is that when you want to build something, ask the people who are going to build it and get some insight from them. We often talk to the people who are going to use a product, but talking to the people who are going to build a product is also critical to understanding how to make it work the best way possible. And you never know what kind of insights that they've had from their experience as well. I also learned that people will try and use you for their own gain. Now, this is a lesson that took me a couple of summers to learn. One summer, one of my fellow interns was flirting with me, and I thought, wow, she's kind of cute. Nothing's going to come of it because we go to separate schools. And so I really didn't think much of it. Now, she was flirting with me when she saw me doing some design. The next summer, when she saw me working on the production line, she had nothing to do with me and wouldn't even look in my direction. And so that was a lesson that, one, yes, people are going to use you for their own gain, 
But two, people also have an ideal in their head. And if you're not fitting into it or whatever you're doing does not fit into it, you will either have to prove yourself, which I wasn't in the mood to do, or you just kind of have to understand it and move on with your life. Now, in many ways, I thought that the whole situation was rather ridiculous and I thought it was laughable. On top of that, I also feel like I dodged a bullet. But again, working on that production line really taught me a lesson in humility, but it also taught me some valuable lessons about taking lessons from where I can and understanding that something might feel like a step backwards, but it may actually not be. Because in the end, taking the lesson of asking the people who are going to build a product has helped me immeasurably in my career. The fourth lesson that all this failure has taught me is that you want to keep learning. You Instead of having a goal-oriented mindset, you want to have a growth and learning-oriented mindset. I learned this uh, quite a few years ago when I got to a point in my career where I thought that I had essentially arrived. I got kind of tired of what I was doing, and I got tired of learning about new things to apply to what I was doing. And so I essentially stopped learning. After about six months of that, I started kind of getting down. I really felt unmotivated for anything. Nothing was interesting to me. I put aside a lot of my hobbies and my interests. I stopped exploring and looking for new hobbies and interests. And I really didn't connect the two. I didn't really connect the fact that I had stopped learning with the fact that I was now essentially depressed. And so it wasn't until I kind of stumbled across a new interest and started learning about it that I realized what was going on. So I have adopted the continuous learning mindset. I also realized I had to have multiple interests at one time. My original method was that I would get extremely interested in something, really passionate about it, learn everything I could, do all sorts of things with it, get super bored with it, and then essentially stop and put it away until I figured out the next thing to be interested in. But now I have multiple interests uh, that include physics, chemistry, electronics, writing. I, I love going outdoors. Not, not really a big fan of camping, but I will hike all day long with you if you'd like to. And I'm not really a physicist. I'm not a chemist, but I love learning about new discoveries and things like that in those fields. I like tinkering with electronics, and so when I have the the so when I have the time and the space to do it, I will play around with electronics. I love to write now. I didn't used to, but now I'm on my second book. I write these podcasts, and I'm even working on some children's books with my kids. So there's all these interests that I have that keep me learning about new things. I also like to take hikes or walk around and see what I can learn from nature. It might not seem like you can learn a lot, especially if you're living in a city, but go walk around a park and see how maybe they did the landscaping or something like that. But basically anything that will help you understand how people do things in other fields. So whatever it is, just keep learning. Which brings up lesson five, which is that it is your job to feed your passion. 
Nobody's going to do it for you. Uh, you have to get out there and do things that work towards whatever you're passionate about. Your creative and innovative spark is not going to ignite unless you are actually working within whatever you're passionate about. Now, all of that said, if you don't know what you're passionate about, then, you know, I kind of sympathize with you. It took me about 10 years to realize what I was passionate about. In fact, I, I thought I was passionate about custom designed furniture. I love just kind of exploring furniture. I never really understood what it is about furniture that I like. I, maybe it's that whole comfort factor. But I decided that I was going to start designing custom furniture, and I built an entire company around it. I did all the marketing, all of the sales, everything. But I got to the third project, the third customer, and felt like if I did it again, I was going to throw up, which kind of freaked me out. I, I really enjoyed the whole process of building this company, doing all this research and marketing and sales and everything. I enjoyed designing some of the prototype furniture that people could kind of browse through and get ideas. But And I actually enjoyed working with the customers as well. But when it got to the point of actually doing the projects, I just couldn't stand it. And so what I learned is that while I really like furniture, I don't really like being in the furniture business. And so that was not my passion, even though I thought it was. What I discovered lately is my passion really has been helping people to achieve something more in life, helping people grow in their career or grow in life in general. And so that's where my first book, Play to Innovate, came from. That's where my second book has come from. It is the work I do in my professional life. So everything I do really goes towards helping people get more out of life or essentially grow in some way. And so I live through that passion. If you're not sure what your passion is, then it probably means you need to explore more or do a lot more soul searching. So get out of where you are and start trying new things. One word of caution, and this is also a lesson that I learned even though I was working through my passion, which is that burnout will sneak up on you. If you are finding yourself with a lack of creativity or a lack of drive, then that's a sign that it's time to take a real vacation or start doing some things that are more on the side, more hobbies like reading or volunteer, take an art class or three or um, do something that is just purely fun. Again, burnout will sneak up on you. It snuck up on me and it took me almost uh, a year to kind of get past it. So if you're working long hours for weeks on end, it might be time to either adjust your work style or start looking for ways to slow down a little bit. Because again, even if you're working with your passion, even if it's something that you're super passionate about, burnout will sneak up on you. The last lesson that failure has taught me is to make your own mistakes, because you will. Um, beyond the 50 or so mistakes I talk about making while you're working through a project, you're going to uh, eventually release a crappy design or 
some kind of garbagey work. You're going to make a career mistake or two. And in fact, I did um, politically, I said the wrong thing to the wrong person and it essentially held my career back. Uh, Not that that is an okay thing to happen, but uh, I didn't understand the politics at the time. And so uh, that's what happened to me. But, uh, you know, don't worry too much about them because everybody's going to make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes and uh, you'll get past them. As long as nobody's getting hurt and you're learning some lessons from it and essentially can move on, then you'll be fine. Just remember that you can handle it. Now, going back to, again, my favorite author, John Maxwell, who was talking about when he was a pastor before he became a business coach, when he was talking to a new seminary grad who had said he uh, had the opportunity to start his own church, but he had studied all of his mentors, he'd studied all these great pastors, and learned about all the mistakes they made, and he was not going to make any of these mistakes. And he's So John said, well, that's fantastic, so you now can go off and make your own mistakes. Now, this seminary grad did not like to hear that, but the fact is still that you can study everybody else's mistakes. You can learn from them, which is a great thing to do. It saves a lot of time and effort and heartache. Just understand that you are still going to make your own mistakes. And in fact, if you are not making any mistakes, that just means that you're not doing anything or you're not taking any risks, and you certainly will not be finding creative or innovative solutions to anything. So there you have it. Those are the six lessons that I've taken from a lot of the failure that I've gone through in my life. But personally, I think it's time we rename failure. And I'm not saying change the word failure to something else. I'm saying to change what we call it. I mean, you could call it anything you want. Stepping stones, lessons learned, dues paid. The fact is, is that people who have a healthy understanding of what failure truly is uh, really succeed more than other people. If you see the failures that you go through, the mistakes that you make as lessons learned, or you call it just dues paid, it really puts those failures and mistakes in perspective. The reality is that things are a failure until, of course, you decide to learn from them or take something away from it and turn it into essentially a positive or at least not as negative. But it doesn't really matter what term you use as long as whatever term that is helps you to understand that failure isn't permanent unless you allow it to be. People have come back from being homeless. There are people who have built careers even after the most famous mistakes. And some of them were are so famous, they're social memes. So as long as you understand that failure isn't permanent unless you allow it to be, call it what it really is. It's a lesson. It's dues paid. It's stepping stones. It's going to get you someplace further in life. It also doesn't matter what term you use as long as you understand that failure doesn't define your character. It's what you do about it that counts. Getting back up defines your character. Continuing to push forward defines your character. But so does quitting. Quitting defines your character. When you fall down and people laugh at you, the reason that they can laugh is because 
they haven't done anything that would put them in a position where they would fall down. But when you get back up, when you show the strength of character to get back up, that shows who you really are. And it doesn't matter who those people are. They, again, haven't done anything that would put them in some kind of position where they could fail. I think it's time that we reserve the word failure for those people who truly don't get back up again. Those people who have decided that one failure was enough and that defines them in their head and they are no longer trying. Unfortunately, I've met quite a few of those people. So what I'd like to leave you with is the understanding that no matter what you do, you have to be okay with it. You have to look at your missteps and failures and mistakes as the lessons that they truly are. And when you can get to that point, that's where true growth starts. That's where you are going to start finding creativity and innovation. And that's the only way to get there. So I hope you got something out of everything I said today. I really enjoyed talking at you, and I will talk to you later. Have a great day. Hey, everybody. You know, I recognize I haven't really explained much about what Play to Innovate really is and what it can do for you. If you would like more information, go to 5pebblesllc.com. That's the number 5, Pebbles, LLC, it's all one word, dot com, and check out the information there. Otherwise, you can go and find my book on Amazon.com, search under books for Play to Innovate, and there's a full description there as well. If you would like to leave a comment, I would love to hear what I can talk about. If you'd like to leave a comment, I'd love to hear how I can help you further your journey towards being more innovative and more creative, and what you would like to know as far as if you'd like to leave a comment, I would love to hear what you have to say. I'd also like to know how I can help you further your journey towards being more creative and more innovative. All right, I will talk to you later. Bye. All right, back to the show.